And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Thank you for hitting the download and joining us in the foxhole. Welcome to another episode of When Did That Come Out? An ongoing two-man journey covering an entire year of film and 12 movies that came out for every month of that year. I'm your host, Charlie Stabile, joined as always by my best friend, William Rankin. Will, how the hell are you? I'm doing damn well. I'm ready to get out of this war. I'm ready to go home. That sounds delightful. (laughs) 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 Welcome to the season finale of When Did That Come Out? We have made it uh, 12 months of 1986. We are now in December final month of the year and we are looking at oliver stone's platoon will you like oliver stone are you a fan of his work definitely absolutely i am i, I mean it's you know there's definitely i think he fits right in with rob reiner he has one of the best streaks like in terms good I mean, analogy it, yes it, and, and i say that i'm like you know what they, they there are a couple in there that aren't as strong as the others but they're very recognizable movies for their time i mean and it's oh man the, the run he goes on, starting with Platoon, is really, really good. And when I mean, would you say it ends? Um, Nixon? Yeah, I think that's when, like, the... the re, like the Because um, even though in between there, like, some people are not Heaven and Hell fans. Heaven you know, and Earth? Or Heaven and Earth. Heaven and Hell, I'm thinking Heaven of... Heaven and Hell. Is, is that, is that, <laughs> I love Ronnie James. I know, that's what, I am a fan. I was, that's, <laughs> but <laughs> I know that one doesn't get a, a lot of talk. Real, mm-hmm. the well, that's also the third part of the Vietnam trilogy, right? Which right. is weird, because like, if you're gonna call that the trilogy, like, I, I, I don't, I've always thought that was weird because the Doors to me fits in there because that's in that same time period, along with Born on the Fourth of July and all that, like, because he talks about how influential that music was. So, in, to me, in a, in a way, it was a four, a four movie series for that. But anyway, I, I think there was a drop off for that movie, uh, definitely. So the tough thing is, Reiner's are they're all hot big yep. movies stones are like culture very culturally significant in terms of cinema without question mm-hmm. and it is during that period that he gains the uh, by the end of it he is known as the quote-unquote conspiracy theorist director you know so i think oh, he's, yeah. i think he's phenomenal man it's, but during this run of movies and we'll get into him i think he is damn near the best okay no that's good um i like that you brought up the doors because i did not know this um he had conceptualized Platoon right after he got out of Vietnam. And I read that he had wanted Jim Morrison for the part yeah. <laughs> originally. Yeah. Which is just, wow. But and with, apparently, yeah. Uh, I know you're going to say, go Morrison, for it. Go for it. Oh, yeah. Morrison died with the script uh, in his room for Platoon. I'd rather blow oh. my brains out. <laughs> oh, no. It's no. <laughs> terrible. Oh. Jesus. Oh, that's another podcast. <laughs> um, well, yeah, what year did Morrison die? It's 70? 1970? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Platoon, I mean, might as well get the plot out of the way. Um, Charlie Sheen, he, what, what's his character 71, name? my apologies. Damn it. 71 was Morrison. Yeah, that's your boy. Well, I know. What are you doing here? I don't have the damn poster <laughs> up to remind me. <laughs> Um, what's, what's Charlie Sheen's character's name? Chris Taylor. 
Chris Taylor. Okay, Chris Taylor, who is a he's really a, a well-to-do um, young man. He he leaves college to enlist in the Vietnam War, which you don't hear that every day. Could have a brother named Jake Taylor. We don't know that for sure. Well, I I like to look at <laughs> Platoon as the uh, as the unofficial prequel to Major League, where yes. you know, Rick Vaughn and Jake Taylor are in the are in the Vietnam War <laughs> together. It's, yeah, it's, it's so wildly different from their relationship in that movie switch the cast you switch the cast oh, completely no. keith david is willie mays hayes yeah. there you, or, or i was gonna say willem dafoe but that's okay oh. <laughs> that would be the obvious choice right hmm. of course <laughs> yeah so up until this point um oh, well actually i should say platoon kind of the impact that this movie had there were a lot of vietnam movies that came out after this uh and some with some of the same cast members, like we got Hamburger Hill, uh, Casualties of War, where they all kind of had that anti-war uh, kind of stance. Now, Apocalypse Now had kind of already done this, even though it had adapted um, Heart, of, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it had, it had adapted Heart of Darkness and made it about Vietnam in a very compelling way. At least I thought, and now you actually prefer Apocalypse. Now that like that's it's, that's what you told me. Right? It's 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 like an opera, man. Like that thing is as close to like opera on film when it comes to a war movies I've ever seen. That's a beautiful movie. It's inc. I mean, it's it's insane. Like I mean, I, I I mean I'm I I don't know. I wasn't in Vietnam, Charlie. Neither were you. But I know there's some people. Nope. That, they're, they're I'm sure there are a handful of people that are going to say. Apocalypse Now was my Vietnam, and some people are like, no, nope, Platoon was my Vietnam War. I don't know. I don't that know. seems to be the argument. Yeah, because yeah, Platoon um, had a had a military advisor attached to it. I think his name was Dale Dye. Dale Dye, he's in the movie. Yeah, Dale Dye is in the movie. So is Oliver Stone. And uh, and because uh, I guess Oliver Stone wasn't enough enough of an authority to go, yeah, that wouldn't happen, <laughs> or or this would happen. So they got Dale Dye in there, and he ended up doing this kind of thing for tons of movies afterward yeah uh, which is you know that's great for him uh, but so other than the basic plot like to, to really get into this movie because i hadn't seen it probably i want to say 15 20 years uh, i remember renting it from the library on vhs because i'd heard it, it was so great and it, it it is a really good movie but i we had this discussion earlier this afternoon um but we, I never really asked what your opinion on it was. Do you agree with me in that the chaos of the movie actually supersedes the story in that it just seems like the way it's directed and the way that the audience watches it with not quite being able to, f to follow at least the first 45 minutes that that's the way that the soldiers felt? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you look at just the... You, 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 over time, you hear a variety of different takes on Vietnam. But they all kind of have a similar idea or a similar thought. And this is from, you know, the perspective of, you know, looking at it from, you know, how it failed over in the States with the way it was managed over, over here on the home front and then how it was managed actually in the thick of things. And what you – the movie illustrates right from the get-go is that the two strongest um, – those two strongest leads in the platoon – are the non-commissioned officers over who are who carry a considerable amount of weight over the actual commissioned officer, Lieutenant Wolf? You know, like he is uh -huh. such an afterthought. He is essentially just the the figurehead at the top, but it's really run by the two guys. And that, in many ways, is the problem that you run into a lot when you hear about Vietnam. Is that it, 
there, there is a lack of true leadership and direction. And it really is just, an, a, a, unfortunately, just a big bunch of chaos that leads to a considerable amount of unfortunate death. Yeah. Yeah, because the way the movie goes up until the the real story of the movie begins is they go to sleep, they wake up, they have to fight. They go to sleep again, they have to guard, they get attacked, they fight. It's just it's just a repeat of that and that. And eventually, um, Charlie Sheen's character just goes, you know, I don't really know what it is that we're doing. And I'll, I'll be honest, to this day, uh, you know, after seeing all these Vietnam movies and you know, learning about Vietnam and history class, I still don't quite get it. Like I get it, but like, I still don't, still don't see it. I, Cause I was having this discussion actually with my mother, uh, who was, uh, I guess a child during the Vietnam war. And I was like, do you realize that like, <laughs> if that war had not happened, like life would be incredibly different. Yeah. Well, like, it goes all, right back to if John F. Kennedy had not been assassinated. I don't think our presence oh, there yeah. would have been what it was. It See, the th- and the movie starts like it's in late 67, because by mm-hmm. the end of the movie, when the real you know stuff hits the fan, that's that's the Tet Offensive. I think it's basically supposed to be like the Tet Offensive, right? Because that's 68. 68 is so. is the year of is the when the, the, the Tet Offensive is, you know, that's like the, the year it's it's sort of like um in Chinese, like the year of the, the year of the dragon, the year of the mouse, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Tet, is, mm-hmm. it, it's in that same sort of vein for the Vietnamese. And that's when it all goes really bad. Because I remember when we studied Vietnam, it's it was bad, it, but it reached just an, an awful level once 68 hits. That's what I, I, that's what I always remember is 68 is when it gets really, really bad. Where it is just like, it, the, the, the horror of it is really starting to hit home. Just, oh my God. This is not going the way it is. Because you're right. When you talk about how confusing it is, when you study like all the other wars that our country's been a part of, like it's pretty simple. You guys line up. We have to go over in that. We have to go capture that area, beat that group of the army. And then for after that, we keep, we keep moving. You know what I mean? Like the mission, it's, it's, a, it, it's two armies that meet on the battlefield and they go. But this mm-hmm. is like you're having, you know, you're definitely not having the home court advantage. You're going into somebody else's place that they know the law of the land, and they are not fighting the war that you want to fight, you know, which is straight up. They're fighting this. as It's complete guerrilla warfare. And that's why the way Sheen and those guys are like, what are we doing here? Again, it, it, it it's, it's very realistic in that aspect. I really like the editing in the movie, uh, and this was done on purpose to where you don't quite know who, who it is they're shooting at. Like, it could, they could very easily be their own people. Yeah. because I mean, in certain points in the film, they just get surrounded and it's amazing. Anybody comes out. Um, there is a scene towards the beginning of the movie where Charlie Sheen is supposed to take guard. And this is an infuriating scene for me simply because he never really gets the recognition for not falling asleep. Like he, it just didn't happen or it wasn't his shift. Like he, cause he passes the shift off. And for some reason, like, the entire platoon just kind of gangs up on him. I'm like, no, no, he fell asleep. It was his fault. And it just, it's kind of this unanswered question that never really comes back. And it sucks because like, this is a guy who, who doesn't have to be here. He wasn't drafted here, but he's trying his absolute hardest to fight for his, for his country and for what, um, for what he believes in, which is, is exactly Oliver Stone. That's exactly what he did. He was mm-hmm. a guy who was going to Yale and he ends up going and enlisting in the army instead and goes wanting to go into combat. 
It's the same. It, that's what's neat. It's like he re, they, he basically grafts his entire thing onto Sheen here. And you're right. Like he comes in there thinking he's going to be like the. It's going to be this grand thing. It's the. It's this novel idea of what war is supposed to be, and it's just not. No. No, and I really like the idea that this was the uh, you know that generation of people that fought in that war. Their fathers had fought in World War Two, and that was pr- probably. I mean, would you agree that that was the most triumphant war for the United States? Oh my God! I mean, look at the posters. You know, I know, I mean, and all the, the iconic imagery yeah i mean granted we lost a lot of lives in that i mean my god but and look how triumphant it, the movies are too the movies I of that know. oh my god yeah it's even the really sad ones like there's a certain level of americana to them that like, just makes you proud to to be from the country where these guys came from right and then there's vietnam and i, I people like oliver stone like i i believe that they wanted to and, impress the previous generation like oh we can do that too yeah it's great it's a it's a war you know we can take care of it and it's the exact opposite and it's it's really tragic that that all of this happened to these guys i find um and oliver stone like i said this part of his vietnam trilogy he went on to cover this technically two more times Uh, although heaven and earth is more of a that that's more of a contained story um with Tommy Lee Jones, Born on the Fourth of July, on the other hand, which I think is a phenomenal movie, uh, and probably mm, probably Tom, uh, Tom Cruise's best performance. I love him in that. It's top but three. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's yeah, got to be. Yeah. He's so not Tom Cruise in that movie, and that that that's always my favorite Tom Cruise performance. <laughs> when he when he does that, it's just well, I was I wouldn't expect this from him because he's usually running into the action and and fighting in here. He's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. And that's a guy who, it's a true story, a guy who just had his mind completely changed after he came home. Um, the thing about Platoon that's interesting, man, is like, it, we've talked a lot, like we've talked about Charlie Sheen's role. The bit, the part that what makes this movie really carry are the two guys around him. And it's Defoe. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and it's, um, and Barringer. And like, the, like the Barnes and Elias characters are without, like they, they are the fascinating part of this movie. How cool is it to see Willem Dafoe playing this type of character? I, I love this because he's always typecast as yeah. a bad guy, and here he is the he is the good, decent person. He has a good run because he has this, and I think Mississippi Burning, where he has really good. Oh parts. yes, yeah, yep. right around this time mm-hmm. period. Yeah, he has an underrated filmography, and he is he's so good in this. I mean, the iconic image from this movie is him, and uh, apparently, and I loved reading that it was a mistake that uh, blood packets were supposed to go off and they didn't, but, but they didn't want to reshoot it because it just looked incredible the way that he did the, the fall with the hands up in the air. Right. You know, I, I love that. But, and that's the, really the, the, the story of the movie, uh, the Tom Berenger uh, character and Willem Dafoe being on basically two opposite ends of the spectrum, especially in the way that they view not just the Vietnam war, but humanity in general. And the, the, tug of war that it pulls on Charlie Sheen. And it's almost like he could go in either direction and become that person. And I think that is a wonderful juxtaposition for the movie. And it's, and it's nice for the, for that, for the movie to be able to sit on that where Tom Berenger is just a ruthless SOB and doesn't care. Like, and it all come basically comes together in the village scene, which 
even on the rewatch here, I still remember that village scene because of how disturbing it is. It is. And I think if I'm, it, it is, I, I don't think it's, it's not me lie. Me lies in 60, March of 68. But I think in a lot of ways, like it borrows from the horrors that we discovered that happened in the Milai massacre, which is essentially the same thing. You know, it's sure. it is, it just the complete and utter devastation of innocent people, you know, by yeah. our own soldiers. Murder and rape. I mean, it's it's ugly. It's not a pretty picture to see uh, Americans doing this. And Oliver Stone, I, I mean, he got the credit before, but he deserves it for showing that that. um this is this is a really gray area like like it's it's not good versus evil i mean it's oh it's it's so bad because you actually find out that oliver stone actually experienced this Mm -hmm. especially particularly the scene where charlie sheen stops it from happening yeah yeah and i mean it's might be my favorite scene in the movie when when he does that because that's a real definitive moment for his character and where he stands and the fact that he doesn't he doesn't lose sight of who he was before he came to the war. He's still the same guy somewhere in there. Because you could see so easily where Barnes was Chris Taylor. At one point, he very yeah. easily could have been. And he took the turn that went the direction. He just was going to embrace this and be the hardest dude on the planet. And by nature, uh, created a, a caravan of these dudes around him, like John C. McGinley. You know, <laughs> oh god, all reliable. Uh, yeah. It's such a, it's such a quintessential John C. McGinley performance too. Before Scrubs, like these are the kind of parts he had. It, you know, all all talk with no backup. Dude, the, the <laughs> other people like you have Johnny Depp popping, a Forrest Whitaker, Keith David, and then my favorite Corey Glover of Living Living Colors in this, which is awesome. Really, <laughs> I must have missed that he's Fran- part. He's Francis. Oh yeah. Oh god, really. <laughs> Look in my wow. eyes, Chris. What do you see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we talked about this this afternoon, how they, they briefly touch on the black man's experience in in the film. And it's something that I actually wish that they'd gone into with a little bit more detail. And Keith David, it would, he's he would have been a, a great choice to, to kind of show that face of it. But the his entrance or his exit from the movie is actually really well done and it's it shows that he's not i mean he's not really affected by really what happened uh he's gonna go back and try to get his life back together and you know not remembering this scene i mean i i had like flashbacks of mash when he once he got in the helicopter like oh god don't shoot that helicopter down (laughs) it just it's it's never fun to watch keith david go in, in a movie and he, he gives a really good performance too that um that isn't talked about as much and really honestly neither is charlie sheen's charlie sheen he's everyone has such an everyone has an opinion of him now because uh, of, of the turmoil that's been in his life the last couple of years but there was a time where he was a truly great actor and it's in the apocalypse now collection uh con- connection with martin uh, basically kind of pl- it's in the same realm of character. Wasn't his, his brother turned it down too, didn't he? Emilio was Emilio, supposed to do this, yeah. I think Emilio got stuck with Repo Man, or, <laughs> or something. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> just remember the front cover of that movie. Just, mm-hmm. eh, I'm not watching that. <laughs> 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 just, 
Gordon Bombay ain't, ain't taking cars. <laughs> no, no. But and and you know Emilio would have done well too. Um, because as much as honestly, uh, it's it's funny because as much as I like Charlie Sheen in dramatic parts, I actually do prefer Emilio. I think Emilio is great, but in comedic parts, it's Charlie Sheen. I always thought he was the closest, next best thing to a Leslie Nielsen, uh, with those Hot Shots movies. Like his deadpan delivery was always impressive. And Emilio could do comedy too, but just not as well as as Charlie, at least for me. And and Charlie was the best choice for this. And I, you know, Johnny Depp also auditioned for this part. And up to this point, uh, the only film credit I can think of that he had had was Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Which yeah, you know, it isn't the showiest part, but you know, it's people remember that. And you're like, oh yeah, he played Glenn. You know. Yeah. And of course, Johnny Depp is still one of the biggest movie stars. Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, just came out. And and did pretty good business, so that's great. You know, Charlie Sheen, on the other hand, I mean, his career, unfortunately, his career just seemed to kind of boil over in the mid '90s. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And it and it wasn't until honestly Two and a Half Men that he had a resurgence, and then he decided to torpedo that as well. But you know, there was a time like like especially with Platoon and Wall Street. More importantly, Wall Street. Oh just yeah. How great he is in that. And that's this is a, that's only a year later. Like, and I mean, I know. I, mean, I know it's you're going to say one it, of Platoon, the best one-two punches. Platoon it really is best picture, best director. I think it wins a couple other Oscars, and then they go right into making arguably another movie that could have contended for best picture again. Could have been best picture. The next. Year. It's. I can't believe it wasn't nominated. To be honest, uh, Wall Street is one of one of the great. 80s movies especially in terms of a cultural significance the guy nailed time periods like that's one thing stone just is really good at is nailing and capturing what's going on in a period that is not currently the present time yep well i, I take that back wall street was the present time wall but you know street what I mean. was but like but, it, but, it, but it also was a view of where he saw it going yeah and he was right and even even and that's why the the sequel uh the opinions divided but still the sequel came out at the right time too because it started happening again yeah you know with, with people like bernie madoff you know guys like that and you know taking advantage of 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 people with with lots and lots of money it's i i, I do love wall street like it's that, that movie never gets old but i i do like when he touches on not just war but really like the the crucial moments of the baby boomer era like with Nixon and JFK, especially, and it, it, it all kind of came from Platoon. Look, and, I, he has a, a great motif. I'm not gonna say theme; it's more of a motif in his movies, and it's perspective, perspective on events because everybody's got one. JFK is where it ultimately is is the explosion of it because when you it, the whole movie is about perspectives of the the murder and the assassination of John F. Kennedy, but then like. Nixon takes this turn where it's like the, there are many perspectives on this man. Like he is a guy who's regarded as you know the most infamous, maybe not for very much longer, no. infamous president <laughs> that we've ever That's had. Oh God! <laughs> but no. right. But then there's there's there is a certain maybe re- a redemption story for him that he he's able to gather later. His uh, he takes like what is like you know everyone knows the end of the story, but like. Nixon is a guy who has a, an amazing, like, he's an amazing comeback story in a lot of ways. And oh, he goes through yeah. That. Look at George, the, dub, the look at W. It's another mm-hmm. movie where perspectives, like, 
the easy perspective is George W. Bush was a dumbass. You know, that that's mm-hmm. easy, that's the easiest one. That's the low-hanging fruit. But then, like, he spins it like, no, there's a different perspective to this. George W. Bush was like any son trying to just make his dad proud. That's, and I like that aspect. Wow. Of that, that, that's the best aspect of, that, of the story of that movie, too. And it's really impressive for someone like you know Oliver Stone I mean he gets criticized for being you know a conspiracy loon and you know left wing nut job stuff like that but the way the way he humanizes Richard Nixon and George W Bush I mean those are really powerful movies I mean you really feel for those guys and that and that George W Bush was manipulated by everyone who was around him you know into believing certain things and but at at the heart of it he was a good guy trying to have a, a good legacy and please his father. Like that's a really interesting route to take. And then the, the argument with JFK, cause that's really where the conspiracy theory thing came from. It's probably the greatest conspiracy theory movie ever. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah by far. And th- I remember like hearing people talk about it and, and how angry it made some people. It, cause John F. Kennedy one thing I love about the movie is John F. Kennedy is looked back on as basically almost an untouchable figure, even by the right. You know, you know, I mean, they'll say things about his, uh, you know, alleged affairs of Marilyn Monroe and stuff like that. But, you know, he's pretty much remembered as a great guy. And he just had his hundredth birthday, you know, like a week ago. But in the movie, there are characters in the movie that are happy that he's dead. And that was the first time I had ever seen anyone express happiness over the death of John F. Kennedy. Right. And it kind of hits home in a way because it's a perspective that I had never seen before. And it's, it's, and it's, it's, I don't want to talk about JFK this whole time, but it does tie into platoon. Right. It does tie into it. Exactly. Like you look at Barnes and you look at Elias, completely different perspectives on what this, what this, where they're at right now in terms of this war Elias is you know he he's an he's a bit more of an optimist you know he's a bit more of a, a down-to-earth guy who understand who is a leader who is clearly a leader of men but is looking at this like we have a mission to accomplish so that we can go home it's not like this thing on the other end where Barnes where it's like it is about control it's about domination by any means necessary and so it's 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 very it's it is the most compelling part of the movie. Are the like these two actors who I'm, I'm is it true that they they kept apart they stayed apart during the shooting? To I read and, that too. Isn't that, is that true? They tried to you know keep that going on set that these guys are definitely have their own camps and they're you know they're guys. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's all part of that. Uh, yeah, I always think back to that documentary that they did on Tropic Thunder where Ben Stiller said, yeah, you know, in the 80s, I'd get phone calls from my actor friends all the time saying they would actually go through a, like a real boot camp. And, you know, and Ben Stiller thought that was hilarious. But that's exactly what happened to these guys. Like they went training and were separated, like as if they were actually going to war. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I absolutely think that they were that, that they were kept apart and kept in their camps and their camaraderie would be able to build up. And this you know, way, between, it's, between them, it's nothing against Casualties of War and Hamburger Hill, but like because of that um, that dynamic of Elias and Barnes, and then Taylor in the middle, creating this kind of triangle, that's what really does elevate Platoon. That's why, in some regards, you could see why it is regarded as highly as it is as a Vietnam movie. Like even Apocalypse Now, like Apocalypse Now has very iconic characters, but like there isn't this kind of tug of war dynamic that's 
kind of pulling the main character between them both. I guess in a way you can kind of kind of reach for it with Robert Duvall on one end and Marlon Brando on the other and Martin Sheen in the middle, but it's not like Platoon. Right. And I think you can also make a metaphor for the fact that it doesn't just represent the internal psyche of Charlie Sheen, the, the, the characters of uh, Barnes and Elias, but it could also be a metaphor for America because there's this, there's this part of America that wants to just go in, kick ass, take names by any means necessary, and worry about the consequences later. And then there's the rational argument, which is, no, like these are still people. Not everyone is bad. And let's only murder and kill if we absolutely have to as a last resort kind of thing. And I like that. I like that Charlie Sheen's character kind of represents basically a, an average American, like just the way that they feel and the fact that they could go either way. But that's a, that's a motif in any war movie is you you just don't, no matter what, you just don't want to lose your humanity. Right. Yeah. You know, what makes you, what makes you flesh and blood. And that's what unfortunately has happened to uh, the Barnes character played by Tom Berenger, which he plays magnificently, which is so strange for someone like Tom Berenger, because up up until this point and even a decade or so after he always played a good guy. Yeah, he was normally a good guy. Like, I always think of the big chill major league like he's just a good dude. And in this movie, I mean, he is just a monster. Yeah. And he doesn't care. And it's it's a nice little almost role reversal because Willem Dafoe, like I said earlier, always plays a bad guy, and he gets to do this really good wholesome performance, or as wholesome as as it can be in a war movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it works. It works for the movie, and there is a comeuppance for Tom Berenger's character towards the end, uh, of course. Because we should mention if you haven't seen the movie, but you want to hear the spoiler. Uh, Tom Berenger is going to be court-martialed uh, for a murder. And the, I, the number one eyewitness is Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe ends up getting killed by Tom Berenger. And it's awful. And Charlie Sheen, man, it's, 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 quite, a, it's quite an intense scene <laughs> right there at the very end with him taking out Tom Berenger. Uh, it's, man. Oh, oh, man. Also, did you hear the story about Charlie Sheen? He almost got killed. He almost fell out of that the, the helicopter at the very end. He said, "If it wasn't for Keith David, he would have fell out." Keith David saved his life. Yeah, and, and that's that Navy training. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> it's that two weeks of boot camp. <laughs> but you know, man, like the, the the thing you talked about earlier, and it's very true about this movie. Like as good as it is, like the movie is, it's too kind of it, it's it's definitely split in half. The first half of this movie, it's very it. It's weird. It's like you're immersed in the confusion of it because you're like, where is this going? Where right. are we going with this movie? And then once once the the murder happens in the village, and then once it becomes, all right, Tom Berenger and those guys are going to put the squeeze on Defoe. They're going to get him out. And then once he kills or he shoots him and you think, oh, he's got him. And then he comes back and he's in, it's a real SOB moment. Cause he tells him he was killed by the enemy. And then what do you know? Like in this drum, the most, you know, one of the most dramatic scenes in any film ever made, you know, the dramatic death and shooting of Willem Dafoe, which triggers to Charlie Sheen's character. Like, dang it, that Barnes did it. He, he was lied. The, he, he's the one who, who tried to kill him. And so then it becomes like, is Charlie Sheen next? 
you know, or some, you know, that there is definitely a lot of tension that is created by that. And that's where the movie really, really picks up its steam. And again, it, it really does come back to the, that, that dynamic of those three characters together. So it really sets apart like a great driving action. And that's, that's really like, you know, um, I, I, as much as like I wrestled with this earlier, because I was thinking, I was like, did, did I think this deserved to be best picture? Because honestly, from what we watch, like, I, I still kind of favor a movie like Stand By Me. I really do. Like, I think, like, that's a movie I would have liked to have been, I would have seen go head-to-head with Platoon for Best Picture because I think there's something a little bit more, like, that I can take away from it. But then there's that, just that driving dynamic of those three guys after that murder happens and the tension of, you know, we, we don't want to see this guy die, but we know that guy's capable of it. Like, it's it's very strong. And then you still have the confusion of what is going on around us that doesn't really leave the movie. So... Man, just crushes it. Yeah, and it's... I don't want to sound like we don't like the movie, because it is a really good movie. But I, I'm with you. I don't know if it's best picture quality. Because like, even so, like a year later, Full Metal Jacket came out. And that's a tale of two movies wow. in one with Vietnam. And Full Metal Jacket is on a whole nother level of just disturbing uh, for, for Vietnam movies. And would I say that that's better than Platoon? I would. I would say that because that movie actually had an, a real effect on me. And I, I hate saying that this movie didn't because in a way it did. But at, at the end of the day, and maybe it's because of the influx of war movies that came after it. And I've seen, you know, Saving Private Ryan or Hacksaw Ridge, Black Hawk Down, stuff like that. But I'm, I've, unfortunately, I feel slightly desensitized to this this way of of. Um, this way of of the of story, I should say, because some, I imagine if you were a kid in the '80s and you saw this movie, and you and you, in the '80s where you know Americana was like almost at an all time high, and and everyone was was proud of their country, and then you see this movie come out where Americans aren't acting the way that you've been reading that they should be acting, or the way that you feel in regards to the Barnes character and that we are also capable of an atrocity and it's it's got to sting a little bit but nowadays I mean that's that's all over the place unfortunately and it's it's too bad because I think in a way it, it kind of changes my my perspective a little bit on a movie like Platoon I was thinking about that just now it's like if, if that movie got released today how would it stack up? And I'm like, actually, I think it would be received even better because of just where. And the only reason I say that is because you look at where where things have gone. You know, in terms of what we're learning about because of just how easy the access is now to what's going on around the world and just the uh, insane things that are going on. Like this movie, I think, would still resonate tremendously, if not more. Well, like I said, it's a universal theme mm-hmm. with what's going on with Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger and their different ideologies. Those two ideologies, I feel, are the two ideologies that Americans are always wrestling with. Yeah. You know, what do we do? What do we do? Do, like, do we do, do we give a knee-jerk reaction and show that we mean business, or do we sit and think about it for a second? Mm-hmm. And it's a tough call because it doesn't. It the, the the right answer isn't always for the right situation. Yeah, it's. I mean, he he definitely nailed it. Like, I mean, like this. If if, if um, in 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 some ways, like I re- it really does. Like it, it kicks off his run beautifully. Like I 
I enjoyed this coming out before Wall Street. You know, I like that. I like this. Because he, we were talking about it and I looked it up and it is. It's like, he does this. Best picture, best director. Next year, Wall Street. Next year, talk radio. The year after that, Born on the Fourth of July. And then finally, there's this two two movies in a year. It's The Doors and JFK in '91. Oh, wow, it's insane, man. I mean, like, we. I mean, clearly one was superior to the other, but still, it was like his output. And I mean, like again, like even though The Door, like I, as much as I love The Doors, that is not. It's not a good movie. It's probably one of the worst of I think that pack of uh, movies is that one. But still, it's like. Man, people remember Val Kilmer doing that. They do. It's, yeah, they do. It still pops to people. A lot of the he stuff resurrected. In the he, he resurrected that that performance on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, about right. ten years later, mm-hmm. and yeah, I still remember that. Uh, the one movie in that in that span of eighty six to ninety five that, that sticks out in my mind because of how polarizing I find it is um, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, that's the, see there we go because. That you bring in a whole nother narrative of that, the Tarantino narrative, and then the reality yep. TV, like you know, the celebration of, of he villains. predicted it. Wow, I'll yeah, give he, him that. He predicted the future on that one. Yeah, with the glorifying of violence. Yeah, and 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 how you know, we as a TV audience, because it's really about TV. That's that's what I found, and and how we crave that kind of thing. Like we won't admit it. We don't. We probably don't even think about it. But you know, that's. That's what we're going for, you know. That fast edits, hard hitting, just kind of over the top news anchor, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, say what you will about the movie, but he had the right idea going into that, and he gave, I will say, he gave Rodney Dangerfield one of his. No, no, it was his final great performance, right? Uh, in a movie, Jesus, man, that thing's intense. And last thoughts anything last you want to say on platoon no i just think again like it is the perfect it is definitely a perfect setup to where stone is going to go like it is definitely a great way to kick the door open with where his career is going to go because it really would just soar and soar and i know snowden didn't like snowden unfortunately was a movie that just completely flopped you know unfortunately but did it flop at the box office yeah but at the same time like because of because of where he started with Platoon and then moving forward and then how it really went to another level eventually with JFK, anytime he has a movie and, you know, he's got the, the Putin interviews that are coming out. Now I, I saw well. some of them. It, I saw some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, his name is synonymous. Like, you at least give pause. You're like, I might check that out because, you know, he as much as he may be a, a nut job to some people and conspiracy theorists, he makes a damn good movie. He makes it, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing about JFK. And just to talk about that for just a second, because th- conspiracy theory or not, he's—I love his approach to that movie because he's open to all possibilities, and there's no clear-cut answer as to, to exactly what happens. He's not that uh, egotistical that he would do that in the movie. But at the end of the day, and I always remember Siskel and Ebert's review of it because they did a great job of reviewing that movie, and they said, if nothing else, this movie's got people talking, and that's what's important. The other one I'll say, uh, I forgot Any Given Sunday, an amazing, I mean, it's, it's insane in terms of editing. You know how you're talking about the editing for Platoon? Oh, the editing is so rapidly it, fast. Yeah. And, oh God. He actually edits that movie like a modern day war movie. Yeah. Which I think was what he was going for. And in many yeah. ways, like that movie comes out, it's a 99 movie, I think is when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And God dang, man, he was, he, he saw where things were kind of headed in terms of that style, you know, where this is where. It's gonna go, and this is especially where like this. It, it is how sports began to kind of look in terms of television. Another movie with great with perspectives. You have all the different aspects of 
a professional football, you know, you know, organization, everything. God, he's just, I mean, it, it's, he's good, man. He really is. He's a real talent. Yeah. He's a real talent. Um, rating time. What do you give platoon? Solid eight. I'd give it a solid give it an eight. eight. I do. Like, I mean, like the thing is like, you're, I, my, my commentary preceding that probably doesn't reflect an eight, but like, I, the thing is like, it's the one thing where it loses ground for me a little bit is like, as good as it is, like, man, it's not, it's not the most rewatchable movie to me, man. You know, it, I know, I know. And I and well, the, I could say that for any war movie though. Like to to his credit. Sure. Yeah, okay. I could go with that. I mean, it, I had told you that I this is a movie I hear quoted a lot by a generation older than us. Like they like I know. it's quote it's very they love quoting Platoon and like Goodfellas right around that same time period. Those two movies just they're quote city, but I give it a solid 8. How about you? I'd give it a 7. I give it a 7. I, re- I really like this movie, but uh, like we we talk about like, you know, people always say, "Oh, comedy is subjective." You know, no, all art is subjective. Correct. Yes, it, I agree. It, it all, the way you feel about a movie is going to be the way is going to is going to come from whatever it is that you bring to it, and by that I mean your life experiences. It could go into the way you're raised. Like certain things that can happen in a movie might trigger somebody differently than they trigger somebody else. And I definitely see the power in the movie and why so many Vietnam vets. Um, consider this to be the most accurate depiction i mean the ant scene alone i always has always stuck with me as just an awful awful thing that he has to go through in the flick uh because that was that's not something you see in war movies it's like yeah there's guns there's guns oh there's also the environment that absolutely sucks and i really I, i appreciate the movie for what it is it's got solid performances um is it my favorite film of the year probably not but i can see why it was so popular uh, when it came out, and uh, that does it. That does it for Platoon. That does it for 1986. All right, so let's get into a couple things here real quick. Um, we are Will and I have actually decided to do uh, at least uh, one or two bonus episodes here. We want to cover two movies, both of our choosing, one of Will's, one of mine. Uh, that we unfortunately wouldn't have. We felt we could pick a, a movie we'd rather talk about for a, a given month for whatever reason. Will's choice was Transformers the movie, and my choice was Big Trouble in Little China. And we're going to cover that in one episode. Two movies in one episode. And we might do this next part in the same episode, but I have a feeling we're just going to end up doing it as its own thing. Uh, we're going to do kind of our our picks for stuff like that like the basically the top five oscars best picture best actor you know c- cinematography stuff like that we're going to do that for the year of 1986 with our choices and like i said that's either going to be in the transformers little china episode or it's going to be on its own and those will be the bonus episodes and then we're going to take a little we're going to take a little break from this and come back with whatever next the next year is going to be which i have not decided yet but man it's some years look really tempting because as much as we talk about movies, man, like I'll be going through Netflix and I'll just come across Quiz Show. And I'm like, oh, 1994. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the gauntlet yeah. is, it is a gauntlet the, of movies. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, my God, what month did that come out in? Because like, there might not be, for me, for my money, a better year in film than that year where it's just. 
there's at least 10 movies that can get at least a nine or 10 yeah, <laughs> that, I, that came out that year. 1999 is another one. That's where another it's, one? It's, I don't know if it's quite well, that, on the 94 was, level, but it's close. Well, that was always our thing. Uh, we always talked about that where it was these five-year intervals. Where it, was, it started in 89. I think you could actually make an argument that it starts in 84 because that's a wonderful year too. But 84, 89, 94, 99, like those individual years are just incredible for what came out that year so got to figure this out don't want to blow the load too early but that's what it's looking like for when did that come out of course we have our other show that will that you're going to be hosting uh, instead of me well uh, you want to talk about that for just a second yeah i mean you've already been listening to it by this point it's screeners and dailies we're hitting the up on oh the... right <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay it's okay Sorry, we're but... getting all these in the can no no it's okay <laughs> no no it's, it's fine it's fine it's fine but we're still going to be covering you know Current events and movies, what's going on now, what's hitting the box office, what are the rumors, what are the just the various topics that are really being discussed right now in, in the form of movies, entertainment, some TV, things of that nature. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a blast because, man, every week there is some new story that comes out where I'm like, oh, man, I wish we could talk about that. Yeah. And then the next week it's a new thing. And I'm like, well, at least they're keeping us busy with material <laughs> that we could get to. Exactly. Like uh, when you showed me that Dan Aykroyd thing yesterday, that was my first thought. Like, oh, I would love to discuss that. I know. But um, anyway, so that'll do it for uh, the formal season one of uh, when did that come out on the Real Change Pod. In the meantime, uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Real Change Pod. Uh, I myself am at CM underscore stabs. And I am at William Rinkin 83. And we will see you for the next season of When Did That Come Out? That'll be coming shortly. And don't forget to check out the bonus episodes coming up. And don't forget to listen to Screeners and Dailies, hosted by William Rankin. Thank you for listening.